Uh, hello, my name is Brendan Mackey, and I am here with the Journal of History of Ideas blog. Uh, this is a companion piece to the article, The Idea of Liberty, 1600 to 1800, a distributional concept analysis by Peter DeBola, Ewan Jones, Paul Nolte, Gabrielle Recchia, and John Regan. Um, these companion pieces are intended to provide an introduction, a gloss, an exegesis, a shareable thing uh, for the new articles in the latest edition of the Journal of History of Ideas. And today I'm very happy to be joined by Peter DeBola himself, Professor of Cultural History and Aesthetics at King's College, Cambridge. Uh, welcome, Peter. Thank you. Um, so Peter, reading this, this article, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's incredibly interesting and, and really methodologically uh, 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 groundbreaking to me. But, but you, you, in it, you mention a, a place called Cambridge Concept Lab. Um, can you just tell me what Cambridge Concept Lab is? It, it sounds a little bit, a concept lab sounds like something that you would find here in the Bay Area <laughs> more than in, than in Cambridge. So tell me what's a concept lab. So uh, I uh, ran a, a, a lab of, uh, in, which included the authors on this article. Uh, they were uh, f uh, three uh, postdocs and one colleague of mine in the Faculty of English, a uh, junior colleague of mine in the Faculty of English, who had been in the lab uh, before he got his, his, his tenured post, so he carried on in the lab. And for four years... We ran a project which was trying to develop a computational methodology for discerning the uh, uh, the components of conceptual uh, matter. Hmm. Um, I use the term matter there because there, a lot hangs on what one thinks a concept might be. So a great deal of work was spent in the lab in trying to figure out how we could use this term concept in a way that was uh, uh, usefully consistent uh, when we were trying to uh, use these computational methods for seeing whether or not we could uh, discern the components of concepts. So you could, I mean, given this uh, piece appears in the Journal of History of Ideas, you could say that we could replace the word concept by idea and not much would change. And that's probably true for the purposes of this essay that we've, uh, we've got published in the, in the JHI. So you could think about ideas or concepts as uh, broadly uh, covering the same area that we were trying to use these computational methods for inquiring into. There's a lot, lot more to say about what concepts might be, uh, much of which was uh, published in a book of mine called The Architecture of Concepts by Fordham University Press in 2013. Um, so one could go and look at that. I probably would take too long to... Uh, for the purposes of this blog to go into much more detail about how the lab conceived of concepts. But the most important thing is that with the uh, postdocs, two of whom were computational linguists and trained statisticians, we developed a methodology that enabled us to work with a number of data sets. But the one that we ended up uh, using more uh, consistently and, and, and in a heavy duty way than any other was the 18th century collections online. I'm sure many readers and you'll be familiar with that. Uh, but we also used uh, some other data sets, especially in the first two years of the lab's work. We used the North American News Text Archive, which is uh, an archive of material from the LA Times and the New York Times family of papers. We also worked with Hansard, the record of the British Parliament. Uh, and we also worked with a collection of um, 
of data of text data put together by Microsoft called MS Books. So we used a range of uh, of data sets in the initial work that the lab did, where we were trying to test out the methodology to see how um, our attempts to discern these uh, structures of concepts might uh, run into difficulties when one changes the nature of the text that one's looking at. So newspaper texts is obviously very different from the kinds of things that one finds in the archive of ECHO. And that also is very different from the reports of parliamentarians uh, in the British Parliament in Hanton. So to start with, we wanted to to robustly test what difference the uh, the nature of the text archive made to these um, uh, attempts to computationally uh, discern these uh, these structures. We ended up working uh, with Echo mainly because uh, uh, in, in all these things, when one's developing a computational uh, project, uh, it's very common to use uh, data sets which have been constructed already rather than starting mm. from scratch if what one's trying to do is is make some headway quite fast. So I, 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 I am I am using a data set that I've ever made myself for my dissertation. Right. And if I could go back in time, I would stop it. I would not do it because I am spending uh, weeks cleaning my data set because uh, I made a mistake five years ago. So yes, I, I really appreciate that. Exactly. So the reason why we uh, we uh, ended up working very uh, con in a very concentrated way with Echo is because the data set there is very conveniently uh, uh, segmented. It has metadata in relation to time, so it, you can search year by year through Echo, but also through the discursive uh, environment in which the texts are loosely to which the texts are loosely assigned. So there are six of those in in ECHO, uh, and they cover language and literature, philosophy, science, and mm -hmm. so on. So this, the fact that the, the data set was constructed in this way helped us very quickly um, uh, build a set of tools which enabled us to use this metadata in uh, ways that we, uh, we wouldn't have been able to do uh, if we'd uh, spend all of our time constructing a data set from scratch. So let's, uh, let's, I, I, I want to just ask a question about what this method in, 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 in the article itself. So I, I, I want to compare it with how I might read these texts on the one hand and this kind of distant reading approach that uh, I've seen bandied about in other places. So, I mean, I don't need to go into too much detail about how I read a text. I go on to echo, I enter in a keyword like liberty or freedom. And I read a piece, a page. It takes me, you know, a minute or two. Uh, and then we have this distant reading approach that that uh, has been popular and sometimes. And they take what is sometimes called a bag of words approach. So they take a text and they just shake out all the words and look at the relative frequencies of them. And sometimes in 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 more or less sophistication. How is the method that you are using in this article published this month different? from those two methods of distant reading and kind of naive reading or human reading? So, so uh, we're using a, a computer algorithm to discern the uh, co-association uh, uh, patterns in mm. the entire echo data set of every word with every other word. So that's 565 million data points that we first had to uh, get the computer to spit out, which tells us how often every word appears with every other word across a window or a distance from five to 100 words away. So uh, mm -hmm. instead of 
simply trying to find, you know, uh, doing a search through Echo and trying to find the word liberty, our data, our primary data, constructs the co-association uh, patterns for liberty with every other word in the Echo data set at uh, distances 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, up to 100, both forwards and backwards from the term. So anti hmm. and post, so ahead of uh, the word, the search term, and behind the search term. And the reason why we did that is because we were trying to see whether or not uh, at distance, where words co-associate at distance, where the semantic or grammatical uh, ties between words is much weakened, uh, we could uh, uh, discern some conceptual structures uh, hmm. which are not primarily semantic. So if you were to search through uh, at uh, right. between three to five words, and you'll search all of the terms which co-associate with liberty, both before and after, you will pick up the grammar or the syntax of the sentences in which the word liberty occurs. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes. Whereas if you look uh, 70 words away, you will not, you will certainly pick up some traces of the syntactic and the grammatical, but you will also pick up where the word simply happens to appear in another paragraph or another page or whatever it might be. So once you, once you compile the data on these uh, structures or patterns of co-association, you then ask the computer to see whether or not we can begin to discern some patterns in how these words co-associate. Well, let me just let me just get uh, get the the, the co-association thing nailed down, just so that I'm I'm sure that I understand it. So let's take a a a, a common sense word like like pizza. Uh, if we look really close to the word pizza, we're going to see you know grammatical baggage. You know, I ate a pizza, stuff like that 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 might not really help us nail down a a, a concept. But if we look at the words around it, five words uh, from pizza, 10 words from pizza, 100 words from pizza, we kind of get a sense of, of, of what kinds of, of, of texts are using this word. So we might have words about like restaurants or, or being hungry, or is that, is that correct? Like it helps yeah. us break away from, from, from viewing these words in, in a grammatical lens and lets us zoom out a bit. Exactly. So, I mean, you've, you've, you've picked up a term which is unlikely to have a very widespread use across a large data set, since pizza generally isn't used in a very wide range of discursive contexts. Mm. Quite right. It might well be about restaurants or food. But words like um, uh, liberty or words like um, power uh, will have yeah. many, many, many different kinds of contexts in which they're used. And yeah. So the idea here is to first uh, work out what the co-association data is. The second uh, 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 part of the method is to then construct a probability for each word co-associating with every other word in the data set at each of the distances, at each of the window sizes, and to give uh, a, a score to that probability. So uh, X and Y are more likely to co to be in their company of each other at the distance of 10 words by a numerical denominator. Mm. So what, the, what the, the tool does, the code that we wrote does, is it, it constructs a numerical value for every single co-association of every word with every other word in the echo data set at every distance from five to 100. So that's right. a heck of a lot of data, which yeah. helps you 
um, statistically predict the likelihood of one word appearing in the context of another at all of those distant points. Right. So you can see when words are coming up that 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 are statistically unlikely that to, to occur, they yeah. are related to that word. So if I'm looking at pizza, for example, um, I might see something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pop up more often. And you're like, oh, that's a we that's a weird term. That's not statistically likely to happen. So I can I can yeah. send I can I can grok even if they're far apart, even if the words are far apart, that there's a relationship between them. Exactly right. There's one last thing to say about this, which uh, uh, is important and may or may not be of interest to your readers or listeners. Um, when you do this kind of uh, analysis of text, uh, which linguists do, we didn't make this up. This is a this is a technique used by linguists, although there are some tweaks to it that we made. But when you do this, you inevitably find that the highest co-association probability. Uh, between one term and another is likely to be terms which are very, very frequent in the corpus. Mm. So so-called stop words, the, and, of, it, and so forth, these words are much more frequent than liberty or whatever other term we might look at. So in order to uh, control for the fact that very, very frequent words are more likely to be in those uh, window distances, we used a formula for dampening down the very, very frequent words in the in the corpus before we then arrive at the final score. So that's a that's a that's a wrinkle, but an important one because what we're trying to do is we're trying to see whether or not liberty may or may not be in the same company as freedom, for example, uh, in mm. our data set, uh, and we want to discount the fact that. Uh, liberty and freedom are used in slightly different ways in the in the English language syntactically and in relation to the common the most common most common words in the data set so we we control for that um, but once we've done that we've then got a very very uh, computationally uh, robust uh, set of values for the co-association uh, of each term with every other term in the data set at all those windows and year by year through the echo uh, data set. So we can do this. So, so once, once you've gotten all the setup, how, how, when you press the button, how long does it take for uh, this code to run? Like how long does it take for uh, the computer to crunch all, all, all these millions of words? So all of the crunching of the millions of words is pre-crunched, pre, uh, if you like. So the first nine months of our project, the computer was running day and night in order to produce the underlying uh, co-association data. But then what the tool does is it accesses that uh, pre-computed uh, set of uh, mm. numerical values. And the, the, the tool that we designed, which has a user interface, allows you to enter any term into the search box and within seconds it will throw out the data so it will do it uh, pretty much instantaneously well let's talk about the two terms that you follow in the recent article you, you follow two terms liberty and freedom can you tell me a, a little bit about the history uh, the related histories of these two words that you 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 see by using this tool well, uh, this will certainly be of uh, uh, much closer uh, interest, and probably uh, within the within the reading um, experience of many uh, readers for the JHI. Uh, there's a long, long history uh, in the history of ideas about the 
um, formation of ideas of liberty. Uh, mm. And uh, this this uh, essay that we wrote was really uh, prompted by our wondering whether or not the methodology that we had uh, invented would shed any light on this very long-standing discussion about the uh, the origins and the uses of the term liberty in the early modern period. So we were all familiar with the work, the incredible work that Quentin Skinner has done amongst others uh, in this vein. And we thought it would be really interesting to see whether or not our data would support or not the arguments that Skinner uh, makes, Skinner and others make, about uh, how uh, liberty uh, was understood in the period. So we were we were using this as a kind of test case just to see whether or not our method would uh, show up anything that um, might have missed the attention of the, of the scholarship that um, is already extant on this. And so what did you find out? What How, how are these words different uh, to you when you look through the lens of this, this, this uh, 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 reading at scale tool uh, than how previous scholars have seen it by just reading like human beings? Well, the thing that uh, computers can do that human beings can't do is computers find every instance of the search query that you ask it to find. So um, the way in which heretofore the history of ideas has mainly been uh, conducted is by reading the uh, what have been identified as the crucial texts or writers, uh, thinkers, uh, who contribute to whatever it is idea that one's studying. Uh, and uh, this method of doing the history of ideas, which is long standing, um, certainly uh, my group uh, had no uh, desire to uh, in any way supplant that. Uh, it's definitely the case that what you call slow reading or ca careful, patient reading of texts is something that we need to do uh, in addition to any other methodology that might be computationally based mainly because computers, uh, in the way in which uh, they generally uh, mine text, do not read for sense. So yeah. uh, they pick up instances uh, uh, and, and we can find frequencies of words and things like that, but they don't tell us whether or not the word is being used in a positive or a negative way and things like that. So it's not to supplant that. It's merely to, uh, more importantly, it's to see whether or not the data uh, uh, throws us uh, uh, down avenues of inquiry that we don't generally find available to us by reading um, Puffendorf or uh, or whoever it might be one of the one of the main thinkers in this tradition. So that's the first. Thing. I mean, it's 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 a it's a, it's a, a a you know one of those sneaking suspicions that you have when you're doing research, especially about something over a long period of time. You wonder what you're missing. You read the big tent poles, you read the stuff that everybody reads, you might go to the archives and find a treatise or two, but it's really hard to get a sense just as a single human being of how an idea ripples out across the culture. And so this reading at scale lets you do that. Absolutely true. Uh, and so in this particular case, our tool that that, that is uh, configured in order to read in quotation marks the ECHO data set that's um, 67 million pages of text. A human being can't read uh, that scale. Uh, so we're doing something, uh, as you quite rightly point out, at scale, which is only available to us when we use computational methods. 
so what do we learn? What's what's the what's the payoff of this when we look at liberty and freedom? Are we are we correct in in our previous understandings of of the words, or 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 are there surprises? Well, uh, what the uh, the essay um, explains is that the uh, if you like the way in which freedom and liberty operate as terms in the English language in the late. Uh, 17th century into the entire 18th century, as we used um, Ebo as well as Echo to do this bit of work. Uh, one can see that the that the terms, and I'm hesitating in saying the concept here because uh, there's the care needs to be, caution needs to be exercised here. But the terms liberty and freedom do not have the same profiles uh, in relation to how they operate uh, in this co-association uh, pattern uh, uh, environment. And, the, and the, the essay gives the data which tells us about how uh, these two terms operate in very different ways. So that led us to ask the question, does it mean that the concepts, rather than these words, does that mean that the concept of freedom and liberty, these two concepts, do not coincide, that they actually are structured mm. in slightly different ways. And that's what the article um, claims to be the case. They are different concepts. Uh, and because of that, uh, they, if, if you like, concepts help you understand something. That's what, what I think a concept does. They give you kind of a route map for moving from one place to another in your thinking. And so these two concepts uh, actually move you in different ways. Uh, uh, in relation to trying to understand, for example, um, a political uh, a political organization around the the idea of liberty or freedom, hmm. and you find a, a, a novel change about the wor uh, word liberty, particularly in the late eighteenth century, uh, uh, which you 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 argue um, has. In, uh, changes our understanding of how how the, the history of liberalism, this big giant concept itself, uh, 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 is. Can you can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Sure. So, of course, uh, liberalism uh, is uh, the the scholarship is quite um, deep on uh, the political idea of liberalism. Liberalism has been understood for some period of time to be effectively a 19th century invention. It doesn't exist in the, the concept of liberalism, the political concept of liberalism doesn't exist in the 18th century. Uh, but uh, the essay argues that, um, if you like, projecting back from how we have uh, constructed and thought about the political concept of liberalism from the 19th century onwards, one can see ways in which in the, the end of the 18th century, really towards the last 20 years of the 18th century, something very unusual starts to happen in hmm. relation to uh, this idea of liberty. Uh, and it, it, in effect, it, it, we think of it um, in the end of the essay, we think of it as in some way um, like a genetic material. We think of it as providing, as it were, the basis for the generation of liberalism, but also at the hmm. same time inoculating, uh, using this, this idea of there being a kind of genetic or, or, or um, material kind of aspect to how concepts might work, using an analogy here of cells. It inoculates republicanism in a very interesting way. So the hmm. two so the two, if you like, political ideologies of republicanism and liberalism, both of which are inventions 
um, after the 18th century. Republicanism exists in the 18th century, unlike liberalism, but it's not a very, very present. It's not there to a very large extent. But the two terms, liberty and and uh, and republic, um, certainly are there in the 18th century. And we think there's something very interesting happening in the way in which the concepts are configured, which then enables the development of a certain version of liberalism, uh, which uh, Quentin Skinner, for example, has been uh, at pains to uh, distinguish from uh, uh, a different idea of uh, of liberty, which is developed in uh, Roman um, civic uh, virtue models. So, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's continue. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, the the data helped us to, if you like, look under the hood of the uh, of the the mass plate tectonics which are moving in the 18th century, which uh, enable the uh, construction of and indeed invention of this political idea of liberalism. Uh, and uh, looking under the hood enables us to see how these terms, uh, uh, liberal, uh, excuse me, freedom and liberty, and now throwing in another term, uh, Republican, Republicanism, how these terms operated through, especially through the last 20 or so years of the 18th century, in particular ways to enable that political ideology, political ideology to emerge. I mean, so it's, it's, a very... it's a really fascinating uh, uh, view of 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 uh, these 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 words, and I, I wonder what's next. You have liberty and freedom in this article, but what other words uh, are you guys going to tackle? Obviously, pizza is not going to be one of them. Not very interesting. Doesn't have a lot of semantic shift. Uh, but 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 what what what's what's next in the docket? Can you give us a sneak peek? So uh, there are some things which uh, have also been published before this piece in the JHI, which uh, take other test cases, and there is ongoing work being done by uh, members of the lab. So one one bit of work which is being done is in relation to the concept of mind in the 18th century. Hmm. So how 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 did the 18th century construct or configure that concept? Uh, and there there's some pretty interesting data that we're, we're seeing in relation to that. There's another piece which I'm working on at the moment, which is uh, uh, about republicanism and about how the American Republic uh, uh, didn't have available to uh, its founding uh, the political idea of republicanism. Republicanism hmm. very, very late, uh, if you like, formation. Uh, so uh, um, some of the work that I'm doing at the moment is trying to uncover what concepts, what political concepts were available to the founding fathers and what then happened uh, at the moment of the of the revolution and then later in the constitutional convention when the constitution is drawn up and agreed and so on. And this is throwing also some very interesting data about the way in which despotism figures in, in uh, the... Uh, constellation of terms and concepts which was uh, around at the time so these are these are a couple of examples of things which are, are currently on the drawing board and i hope that they all come out at some point and uh, <laughs> we just to see what we've done it seems fascinating well thank you very much for your time professor uh, uh debola and uh, uh yeah it was it's been great